your neighbor, tell him, God is good today. Praise the Lord. Oh, don't miss out on the chili cook-off. It's going to be fun, fun, fun. Tell you what, going to be a good time. All right, let's go to the Word of God this morning. We're going to go to the book of Luke. Luke chapter number 5 is where we're going to be sharing together. How many of you enjoy coming to church? Do you know we live in a negative world and we need the power of the Word of God to encourage us and change us? Isn't that right? Oh, we are more than conquerors through Him who loves us. Look at your neighbor and tell him you're more than a conqueror. You're not conquered, you are a conqueror. But you have a part to play. Let's read about it in the book of Luke, 5th chapter this morning, verses 1 through 11. It says, one day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty Boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, We worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, we'll let down the nets again. And this time, their nets were so full of fish, but they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boats. And soon, both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. Can you realize how good God is to bless us in our lives? Did you know God doesn't make mistakes? God didn't make a mistake when he made you. Praise the Lord. God does all things well. He filled their boat. This, any of you have a good imagination? Oh, a few of you are like, yeah, I do, right here. I want you to think, of, their, fit, their boats were so full of fish that they were about to sink. Is that crazy? I mean, these fishing boats were about to go down, so full of the blessings. But that's spiritual, because God says, give and it will be Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. God will give into your spirits. Praise the Lord. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, sons of Zebedee, We're also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. Friends, that's a word for some folks in this room today. Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Today, I want to talk to you about you. I want to talk to you about the things that you can do with your life. Now, the reality is, You cannot really change anyone else too much. You can encourage them, you can prod them, you can try to speak words to them and over them, but every one of us does have the capacity and the ability to change our own behavior, to change our own attitude, to change our own finances, our own thoughts, and our own joy. You know, you can choose whether or not you're going to let the joy of the Lord be your strength. 
Now you can say, Pastor, I sometimes I just don't feel happy. Well, there's a difference between happiness and joy. Because the joy of the Lord comes from the Lord, but happiness comes from happenings. I'm not happy that the Dallas Cowboys aren't in the Super Bowl. But I have joy today because it doesn't matter. I can still eat chips and salsa no matter who's on TV, right? Come on now. We, we, the joy comes from the inside of us. It does not depend on those outward happenings. Luke chapter 5, Jesus is drawing huge crowds. Have you ever thought what it would have been like to live in the days of Jesus? Have you ever thought, if I lived, oh, 2,000 years ago when Jesus was there and he was teaching and preaching and sharing, would have you gone to hear him? Oh, probably so. You probably would have made the journey. The crowds, he was at the very beginning stages of his ministry. We know that. He's just in that uh, formative time when he's even calling the disciples. All the disciples had not even been brought in and called. And we know this story is going to be coming today from that perspective of Simon Peter. And we know Simon Peter's story, don't we? How many of you know a little bit about Simon Peter? But can I tell you, the story of Simon Peter's life had not yet been written. We can look back on it and say, well, I know what's going to happen. But you know, many of us look back on life and we realize what has happened in our past. But back there, you didn't know how you were going to get to right here today, did you? You see, God has a plan and a purpose for each and every one of our lives. So his, his story has not played out. In fact, this is one of the opening interactions that Jesus has with Peter. Not the very first one, but one of the first ones. There's a statement that's made. We hear it often. You might have heard it when you were in school, maybe in drama class, or maybe in middle school or even elementary school. Have you ever heard when someone was encouraging you, they would say something of this line, there are no small parts, there are only small actors. Anybody ever heard that? Only small actors. Now, we just did a great Christmas presentation a few weeks ago, and I can tell you, if you even had a small part and you forgot your line, it would have messed somebody else up, wouldn't it? That's just part of it. Kind of throws other people off, throws a, a wrench in things. And I think back to a story that I heard about a little guy who was excited to be in his first Christmas presentation. Now, there's something about kids and uh, dramas and Christmas presentations that's special. I've never gone to a Christmas presentation with kids where people didn't like it. Have you? I mean, I've gone to a few where, which, you know, the kids kind of were a little... Got a little bit out there, but even so, people will say things like this, weren't they cute? You know, and then they'll say things like, oh, they're adorable. I just love them. They're so precious. All right, there's some words. You never hear somebody come out of the auditorium watching an adult program and say, weren't they precious? That was just an adorable presentation, right? But this little guy, one of his first programs, and he had a line. I mean, that's, you know, everybody does their thing. And he was to hold up the star, and it was easy. And they were using a Bible verse, and he was supposed to hold up his star, big yellow star, and say, I am the light of the world. Well, that's not too hard if you're three or four years old. So his mommy had practiced it with him, and they did it. But the thing is, it's kind of like being in this room. If you've ever been in this room, and you look that way, there's two things that are very frightening. There's bright lights, and number two, there's all those scary faces out there. 
And so he got up there and he looked out and the lights were bright and all the people were staring at him and he held up his star and it was obvious to his mother who was sitting right toward the front with her camera, right, that he had forgotten his line. And so she started whispering it to him. I am the light of the world. I'm the light of the world. I'm the light of the world. And sure enough, he caught her attention and he smiled real big and he said, my mother is the light of the world, right? Well, maybe in his little life that was true. She was a light. The first question we have to ask ourselves today is, what will you do with your part? What will you do with your part? Too many of you disqualify yourselves. We all can disqualify ourselves from the act of life by saying, I don't matter. Even before you get a chance. I hear people do this often. They make statements like this, I can't. I'm not important. I have nothing to contribute. Everyone else could do a better job than I could. But can I tell you, friends, these are all lies from Satan. Because the book of 1 John chapter 4, verse 4 says, You, dear children, look at somebody, say you. Oh, this is for you to look at them again. Say you. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because... The one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Praise God. That means that God has put something in your life that is powerful and supernatural. He has a purpose for it. How do you say, Pastor, did he put something supernatural in my life? Yes, because it says that he gave to every man a measure of faith. So if you didn't have, that faith didn't come from Satan. That faith came from God. God has given gifts and talents to you, and you need to use them every day to the best of your ability. Now, Peter had something of value. Every one of us today has something of value. You know, just, just think about some of the things that, that you have impacted and that are impacting your life. I praise God that you are a part of this church. Did you know this church is better today because you're a part of it? We, we miss people when they... When they leave, we, just Brother Lauren was telling me they're about to, to step back out to, to Florida. Their house was messed up in that terrible hurricane. We'll miss them. Why? Because they had a part to play and they blessed the church. But let me tell you, every person is a blessing. So get, get used to it. Look at somebody else and tell them, you're a blessing. That's right, you're a blessing. Peter had something of value. What did he have? He had a boat. Now, we don't know much about that in New Mexico. If I was going to ask you, how many of you have a boat? I might, you know, get two hands. If you ask that question in Alabama, Louisiana, somewhere else, you might get more. It says the crowd, look at verses 1 through 3, was pressing in, and Jesus needed a platform to address the crowd. So that's verse 1. One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, Great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowd from there. What do we see in this passage? Some interesting things. Number one, here's something you can work on. Have you ever done You can do this today at the chili cook-off. Do, do you understand that every person has a personal space, right? Did you know you can back a person up across the room by getting in their space? 
right? Do it again. Go back up again. And you can start moving them down the hall, around the road, around the I mean, it's amazing what you get. Or they'll say, stop it. You're bothering me. You're getting too close. It says that they were getting too close to Jesus. They were pressing in on him. The crowd was, was getting too close. He could not function well, and so he got into a boat. But here's another interesting thing in this passage. <coughs> it tells us right here that he asked permission of the owner of the boat, didn't he? No, Holy Spirit's a gentleman. God will not force himself on you. You have to invite him or allow, receive the invitation. He says, can I use your boat? Peter says, absolutely. He has him push out a little ways into the, to the water. Use what you have and use it for God and see what God will do with it. The boat was a blessing and it provided a platform for Jesus to be able to minister. And Peter had this little bit, might not have seemed like a lot. You know what we usually do is we say, what I have doesn't matter. Have you ever said that? Come on now. You ever said that? It's, well, you know, if I give my $10 to help in the youth room, what's it going to matter? It's $10. Well, look around the room. If everybody in this room gave $10, how many you think it'd matter? You know, if everybody gave $20, how many you think it'd matter? Well, it, we all matter. It makes a difference. But don't go to the other extreme. You know, it's easy to think that we really matter. Amen? <laughs> you know. This church is pretty blessed that I come. Just saying. I mean, you know, I do add a little bit to the worship experience. <laughs> Romans chapter 12, verse 3. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Oh, there's a word for us today. Don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourself by the faith God has given us. God wants you to show, to use what you have, but he wants you to put it in motion. You see, you have a part to play. What is it that God is asking from you? Second thought. Be obedient to your calling. Remember, Peter really didn't know Jesus that well. Now, he, he'd had some interaction. I'm not going to tell you he didn't know him at all because he knew him a little bit. We'll see that in a moment in Luke chapter 4. But he does not know him well. He is not really submitted fully to, to, to following him. But we're going to see that in this passage today. And some of you, this is a word for you today. Some of you know Jesus, but you need to know him well. You need to get to know Jesus even better. And he will, desires to, take you to the next level. Go to verse 5. It says in the fifth verse, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon... Now go out where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing, but if you say so, I'll let, down, I'll let the nets down again. Now this is kind of interesting because this particular uh, uh, ancient Greek word Luke uses for master is apistata, and it's only used in Luke's gospel. And it has a meaning. It could mean it has the idea of, of commander or leader or perhaps boss or in New Mexico, jefe, right? right? The boss, the boss man. 
And so he looks to Jesus and he says, Master, Commander, Leader, I'll do it. That is his boat. You understand a lot of us are like, well, Jesus, I don't know what you're telling me to do, but this is my boat. You know, we, we often put a lot of reasons why we can't do it. Do you think Peter could have had some reasons that day? You know, we did work all night. We didn't catch a thing. So here could have been some of the reasons. Jesus, I'm tired. How about tomorrow? How about, you know, I, I would fast and pray this week, but I fasted and prayed last week. Hello? Oh, we'll go a little bit further. Now, Jesus, I'm a fisherman. I'll tell you why, Jesus. I've heard people say this. You leave the fishing to me, I'll leave the religion stuff to you. Right? Right? Or he could have said something like this. We say this too. Jesus, I just cleaned the nets. I just cleaned the nets. If you would have told me to do this an hour ago, I would have been glad to do it. But Jesus, the nets are clean. I don't want to do that again. Caution you, friends, that God wants to work in our lives, but it can only work through obedience. Is God calling you to do something that doesn't make sense to you? Maybe he is. Jesus in this relationship, is that really what you want me to do? Jesus, do I need to give up this relationship? Jesus, do I really need to give up my time to ministry? Jesus, do I need to dedicate my time to your calling? Jesus, how about me? Lord, I already loaned you my boat. You want me to go back out there again? We did it all night. Friends, sometimes God just wants to see if you're willing to get blessed. Anybody willing to be blessed today? Or would you rather do it your way? Obedience is what unlocks the door to blessing in our life. Go to verse 5. It says, but if you say so, I'll let the net down again. At this time, the nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in, the other boats. And soon, both boats were filled with fish on, an, on the verge of sinking. And that, that is one of those that I use my imagination. Because these boats were fishing boats, weren't they? I mean, they don't, they don't sink because you put too many fish in them. That's not that, what, they're made for this. I want to remind you, friends, God can bless you bigger than you ever thought you could be blessed. But pastor, how can that happen in my life? It, it, it happens through obedience. God always requires obedience before he brings blessing. Our problem is we want blessing and then we'll be obedient. Because watch your prayers. What are your prayers? God, if you will bless me, then I will obey. What does the word of God say? Even when he deals with our money. Try me and see, says the Lord. Right? If you will tithe, if you will give, if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour forth so many blessings that you will, here it is, just like here, not be able to contain them. Powerful principle that's seen throughout the word of God. There was risk that asking of Jesus into the boat. There was risk of going back home with, when the time wasn't right. But you have to believe that God knows better than you know. Let's just, let's just be real about it. How many of you believe that God knows more than you do? Okay. I mean, that, that's not a trick question. 
Now, now that's the harder part. How many of you act like God knows more than you know? Well, God, you know, I mean, you might not have thought of this. But fishing is better at night. Done it a long time. Career fisherman. And we've tried it. This is the way it works. Often God wants you to trust him with something that's outside of your comfort zone. Amen? Something that makes you not sure how it's going to play out. You have a part to play in your own success. Ask the other question. How many of you want to succeed? I'm going to raise both hands because I really want to succeed. Anybody else? Okay. And here's the connecting part. If you want to succeed, do you want to obey? Because that's what brings the success. Let's look at the last thought. Life-changing obedience. Peter had come to this meeting knowing Jesus, but not knowing Jesus well. And he'd be allowed to, to follow. What would make him want to follow the directions that Jesus gave? Well, we have a glimpse of this back in Luke chapter 4, verses 38 and 39. One writer puts it this way. Jesus had already miraculously healed Peter's mother-in-law, Luke 4, 38 and 39. Yet there was something about this miracle of the blessed catch that made Peter worship Jesus and surrender himself to him. Some of you today know Jesus, but your hearts need to really know Jesus. You know Jesus up here. I know Jesus is good. I know Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But you need to let that move from here to here. You need it to be right here in your spirit. When Simon, it says in verse 8 and 9, when Simon realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please forgive me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish that they had caught and were the others with him. Now, I don't know this. It doesn't say this in the text. But I have to believe because this is the way God many times works. Maybe Peter had a boat payment coming up. And maybe Peter didn't have enough money for the boat payment. Maybe that's the reason he stayed out all night fishing. Don't know for sure. But it is true in our lives that God often gets, uses a need that we have to get our attention in our circumstance, doesn't he? And we can't, just, we can't seem to make this work. Jesus is saying to you, if you'll just obey me, let me work it out for you. Now, we struggle to believe that. Let's talk about real things. Do you ever struggle to believe that God can bless you if you'll tithe? I'm not really asking for a show of hands here, because, but it's a real struggle. <laughs> if I give away my money, God will bless me. Right. 10% of it? Wow. It's a lot. Right? It's a lot. How can I do that? But Jesus, the word of God says, Old Testament, you can look. Jesus, in fact, commends tithing in the book of Matthew. But we know in the Old Testament they were told to tithe as well. So what do we see? It's a principle. But we could apply it to anything. You know, I don't know. Again, don't want anybody to raise their hands on this. But have you ever prayed for the right spouse or companion? Do you ever have a checklist? <laughs> I'll be real. I did. God, you know... I really need somebody that's not ugly. That would be helpful. 
let's just take it a step further. Good looking. Right? You know, believer. Right? Do you ever struggle to say, God, I really believe that you can do it? I'm just going to give it to you. So it could be your money. It could be your relationships. What else could it be? Could it be your ambition? Do you ever struggle to give your ambition to Jesus? Oh, man, Jesus, I really want to do this. I really want to do it with my life. But you're asking me to do that. I just don't know if I can trust you. I won't be happy. I'll be miserable. Isn't that the struggle that Moses had? I don't want to go back to Egypt. I already tried the whole leading the people out of Egypt thing. Don't want to do that. Don't want to do it. And Jesus, and, and the father says to him, God says to him, different times, go, go, go. It's you. He didn't want to do that. But God doesn't give up. And you and I will never be happy until we yield to what God wants us to do. It didn't take long for Peter to realize how wonderful and holy Jesus was and really what a bad guy he was. And we look at this and it really, I think, speaks to us because it says that he falls at his feet and it says, depart from me because I am a sinful man. Jesus, I am really not a good guy. I, I, you don't even need to know me that much more, Jesus. I'm just not a good guy. Depart from me. A lot of us can remember those things in our life that we're embarrassed about, can't we? The things that have brought us regrets. Stories told of a, a man who came to church and got saved. And he wanted to get involved in the church. So he came to the pastor and said, Pastor, can I be a greeter? The problem was the guy wasn't as friendly. He was a little abrasive. And he, the pastor said, well, I don't know that that's probably the, the ministry for you. So he said, okay. So he came back the next week and said, can I be an usher? And his appearance was such that the pastor was afraid that he might frighten people a little bit, just you know, kind of rough on the edges. He said, well, I'm not sure that's the one for you. So the guy pressed me. He said, but I want to do something. What can I do? And the pastor had an idea. He said, I've got an idea. I really need somebody to help us with church co uh, correspondence with people. And just to write in, uh, notes to folks. In fact, I've got a first project. I'll give you some stationery. I'll give you the envelopes. And all I need you to do is to write to some of the folks. Here's their addresses. They have made some commitments to the building fund, but they, they haven't paid them. I don't really know why. But they just need to be you know, you know, encouraged, prodded a little bit to go ahead and, and to make those commitments. That would really be a blessing. He said, Pastor, I'll do my best. I'm going to give this a shot. I'll do my best. And he said, I know you'll, you'll try hard. Thank you. Well, the pastor was surprised because he gave these to him on Sunday. And by Wednesday, the first uh, late offering came in for the building fund. More came in on Thursday. A bunch came in on Friday. The pastor was surprised. He even went out on Saturday. And there was a stack more. But inside of one of the, uh, the returning uh, payments for the building fund, there was this note. It said, Dear Pastor, encloses my delinquent building fund commitment. Please tell the person newly helping with correspondence that dirty rat is spelled with just one T in dirty and one T in rat. <laughs> now, how many of you, your mind goes to exactly how the correspondence went out? You dirty rat. How dare you make a commitment to the church and not fulfill it? I mean, you can almost understand how that's unfolding, right? I think that that day... Peter fell at the feet of Jesus, and he said, Jesus, I'm unworthy. He felt like that dirty rat. Unworthy. I don't deserve you, Jesus. I don't know why you would want me. I don't know why you would call me. 
But Jesus was about to teach Peter that obedience opens the doors he could never imagine. Go to verses 10 and 11. It says, his partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching fish. You'll be fishing for people. And soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Now here's the part that Peter had to play. Up to this point, he'd been a fisherman. That's what I defined him. Most of you, if somebody came up to you after church and said, what do you do for a living? You would tell them, I am a. I'm a salesman. I work in the call center. I'm a waitress. I'm a cook. I'm retired. I'm a school teacher. I'm an insurance agent. I'm working construction. What he knew was this. I'm a fisherman. Jesus said to him, well, you may have been a fisherman, but I'm going to make an adjustment, and I'm going to make you a fisher of men. Not a fisherman, but a fisher of men. Friends, it says at that point, Peter left everything, and he followed Jesus. He followed Jesus. Today, you and I need life-changing obedience in our life. We can't say, well, Jesus, you know, that sounds good, but I've got the fishing business and I've got a few more payments left on the boat. No, we've got to let go. We've got to follow Jesus. You may have come and tested some of the things that Jesus wants you to do, but now it's time for complete surrender. So as your musicians come, this is what I want you to think with me about today. Today's account is a challenge to each of us. First of all, what will you do with your part? You could use the excuse, I don't have anything to bring. I have nothing of value. But that would be a lie because Scripture tells us in every case that God has given to every man, every woman, a measure of faith. He's given you something. Why just have a boat? So Jesus says, I want to use your boat. Will you let him use your boat? Will you play your part? Second, be obedient to your calling. Obedience does not always make sense. It doesn't make sense. Any of you remember going to your parents with your math and saying it doesn't make sense? And they said, you'll need this in life. You'll use it. And you said, oh, lies. I'll never use it. If any of you ever been sitting there working on your taxes or working on something else, and you're like, wow, I really did use it. Didn't make sense at the time. But later, it makes sense because you have to understand that God knows best. Finally, and I think this is the one that speaks to many here today. Peter had known Jesus But it was time for Peter to follow Jesus. There's a difference between knowing in your head and following in your heart. Only when your heart is surrendered to the big things God has planned for you can they come to pass. I want to tell every person here today, God wants to use you big. He wants to bless you big. He wants to do bigger things than you can understand. But he only can do it when you obey. If you obey, you further the opportunity. I'm going to end with this thought. Sometimes we look at people like Abraham and we say, why did it take Abraham so long to receive the blessing? Some Bible scholars would tell us that maybe the reason that Abraham had to wait so long for Isaac is because Abraham got disobedient with Hagar. Don't get disobedient along the way because it just makes the wait even longer. Allow God to do the work and he will do it and he will do all things well.